At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Pittsburgh CityCast on a Thursday, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Matt Williamson, our scouting expert from the Williamson and Peacock podcast, as well as SNR. You can catch him there during the offseason and, of course, during the regular season with Dale Lolly, too. And you can read him in the Pittsburgh Tribune review. Uh, with me, Breakfast with Ben's, I'm there every day, and Matt's scouting reports have been excellent uh, going into and coming out of Steeler games all year long. And now that the season is over, we are looking at the Super Bowl. Matt, of course, is with us going into the AFC and NFC Championship games. Uh, since Matt has an expert scouting eye, that's his background. We're going to get into some of the quarterback draft choice potential picks for the Steelers and the rest of the NFL. He's been watching the Senior Bowl very closely. Might talk some offensive and defensive linemen as well. But, Matt, let's get to the matters at hand. Uh, Not only the championship games last weekend, but, of course, the Super Bowl coming up between the Bengals and the Rams. Um, I had a parlay going, excuse me, a teaser going, where I had the Chiefs tease to a pick, and I had the Niners at 10.5. I felt great about both going into the games, and then I think the Chiefs just kind of screwed me is what it comes down to. Yeah. I'm wondering what you saw, you know, from from a scouting perspective, what did you see that went awry for the Chiefs and what did the Bengals do well enough to come back? Yeah, my bets didn't work out particularly well either. I, I thought the Chiefs would dominate the game and win going away, and I bet accordingly. I thought the Niners would win a very close game and didn't feel strong about that. Neither came to fruition. However, Kansas City began down that path. I mean, for 29 minutes, they were a dominant team scoring at will. And I keep saying this over and over about the Chiefs from that game. Keep using words like hubris, overconfidence, arrogant. You know, that the way they handled that sequence to finish out the half, I think had massive, massive ripple effects throughout the entire game. I mean, I'm not even talking about just kick the field goal, but take one shot at the end zone, throw it away if it's not there, then kick the field goal. I mean, uh, Andy Reid clock management issues and um, unwillingness to stick with the ground game really peaked up here, and that's something going back to Philadelphia has been a problem for him. But Mahomes made bad decisions, and he played very poorly in the second half. I give the Bengals a lot of credit. They, they did some unique things against the Chiefs for about 50% of the snaps in the second half, which is just totally unheard of. They dropped eight in the coverage and rushed three, you know, and 
Uh, Mahomes just kept patting the ball and patting the ball, and his average time to throw was very, very high. You know, held the ball forever, but his average depth of target was still very, very short, and he was forcing the ball into windows and not seeing things clearly, and they still got pressure on him, you know, so – I, with all respect to the Bengals and Joe Burrow, and I think that that team is potentially an AFC North juggernaut and Burrow is a total star. I felt in that case, the Chiefs lost the game more than the Bengals won it. I said a lot of the same thing in the trip too, Matt, and I've said it here as well on the city cast. I use the word arrogance quite a bit, yeah. especially at the end of the first half, not only from the standpoint of their decision to go for it, but also the way that, Mahomes handled himself in the second half, especially like I can run around and get myself out of anything and still throw a dart. Uh, The way he approached the game after the ball was snapped and before the whistle was blown was kind of arrogant. It was the same thing that we saw from him at the start of the year where I thought he got too much into his own legend of throwing off platform and keeping plays alive and still delivering uh, a perfect strike. You know, yeah, we've seen him do that enough, and there were plenty of opportunities where I thought he was trying to force those things to happen when they weren't there. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and I think a lot of that reflects on Andy Reid as well. Again, you know, the big con, you know, the big criticisms of Reid going back to his Philly days are he gets away from quality run games, and this seems to be the point that's been overlooked since that game was McKinnon and Edwards Hilaire we're gashing the Bengals, you know, I mean, and if they just stick with it with a lead, like most teams would have, that game probably goes a lot different. Obviously your quarterback was struggling. You didn't have answers for the way they were playing defense against you hand the ball to the the running backs and eat clock. That's not what they did again. Hubris. The NFC games went more the way I ended up playing them, which was, I thought the Niners would at least cover. I had a hunch that the Rams would win. I was 50, 50 on the outcome. Uh, One prop that definitely came into play, we talked about this, uh, T. Higgins going off. I said he was a guy (laughs) to play a prop on, and it certainly worked out that way. And you know what, Matt? I I think T. Higgins is a way to go in the Super Bowl, too. We can dive more into the Super Bowl props and some of the gambling lines and things like that next week before the game. But just some preliminary look at it. I think – well, let me sort of set the stage. My sort of – my gambling premise is going to be this, that the Bengals are going to at least cover – my hunch is they win. And some of the props I like, one of them is T. Higgins at minus 113 to get at least 70 yards. And then it's plus 285 for him to hit 100. I like the matchup of the Bengals passing game against the secondary of the Rams. I can see Jalen Ramsey keeping Jamar Chase down below the numbers that are set, at least that makes sense gambling-wise. But I think Higgins couldn't go off if Joe Burrow has time. And that's a huge if. But I also look at it this way. The guy got sacked nine times against the Titans, and they still won. So, like, I I could see the the offensive line for the Bengals getting eaten alive. I could see him getting sacked a bunch. And I can still see the Bengals winning. And I can see whoever is not on Jamar Chase, which is probably going to be Jalen Ramsey, I can see them having a tough time and, Joe Burrow going to Tyler Boyd and going to T Higgins quite a bit. Yeah, I I understand that point of view and I'll be very honest, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon and pretty much all my work time, which is what I do anyways, has been dedicated to the senior bowl and it's been draft jumping in. So I haven't given this game 
as much attention, certainly as I will, or, you know, it's kind of nice not thinking about the NFL for one week and thinking about college and changing gears. Yeah. My initial thoughts subject to change are, I think the Rams have a chance to blow them out. To be wow. Really? Okay. I, I have respect for the Bengals. They, I think they've got a little bit of an easier path than people want to realize. I don't think Tennessee was a very good team. I don't think the Raiders were a very good team. They've eked out some wins. They don't look like a Super Bowl team to me. I would be very hesitant to bet against Burrow. I mean, I, there's certainly something there, the it factor and all those things. Um, I just think that Aaron Donald might be the Super Bowl MVP. I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I do. In fact, you know. I'll go so far as to say this, Matt. I think if the Rams win, Donald will be the MVP. I don't think they have any answers for him at all. And even that nine sack game against the Titans, some of those are on Burrow because he's so tough and he'll hang in the pocket and, you know, he doesn't mind sacrificing his body to make throws or whatever. But this pass rush is better. This defense is better. You know, you mentioned Ramsey. Uh, One thing a lot of our listeners probably don't know is strangely, they rarely travel him. You know, he, he, he lines up in the slot a lot. They play an awful lot of zone. He's capable. I don't know if they'll take that tactic in this game or not, but he certainly will end up on chase a lot. Um, again, all respect to Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a tremendous football player that'll probably win Super Bowls and league MVPs in his career. Stafford's outplayed him in the postseason. Pe- people don't seem to want to you know watch the tape of burrow in the in the in the postseason it's been good but it hasn't been superman he hasn't played it wasn't like Mahomes versus allen in that game where the quarterbacks were just unstoppable forces he's taken advantage of some weaker situations he's a really good prospect but i think stafford's the better player of the two i think the weapons are pretty equal you know i mean how do you deal with cooper cup um I, i give the coaching edge to the rams so I'm leaning towards Rams laying the points. However, I also think the under could be a play too, because I have a lot of respect for both defenses and that Bengal defense was really buttoned up against the chiefs. The coaching angle does McVay do to Taylor what Belichick did to McVay a couple of years ago. I tend to think so. You know, I mean, he knows Taylor extremely well. That's where Taylor came from. McVay has been around the block a little bit more. I think he's better at his job. Um, I'm hesitant to give Taylor the credit he probably deserves for all this because I think it's Burrow, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I think Burrow's changed the culture more than Taylor. I mean, uh, Taylor was the losingest coach in the league up until this year, you know, know, percentage. Um, I'm still kicking it around. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Bengals offensive line here, here, I think the Bengals offensive line is worse than the Steelers. Worse than the Steelers. Yes. I mean, like maybe the worst offensive line in the league with what they're throwing out there right now. You don't think they're better run blocking the Steelers, or do you mean that strictly pass blocking wise? Um I think they're better. I think they're blocking. better run blocking, don't you? I do. I do. Uh, so that's fair. Uh, Jonah Williams would be the best lineman on either team, but he's not a superstar. I'm not throwing dirt on Ben's grave, but if Burrow were the quarterback here, the Steeler offensive line would look much better than it is. You know, I mean, just the way the Steelers play offense is. Well, yeah. And you know what? I get, I get a little frustrated 
I've gone down this rabbit hole way too often since the season ended about how I think the offensive line for as bad as it is and the weapons for as limited as they may feel. Mm-hmm. I keep telling people that if Aaron Rodgers had been the Steelers quarterback this year, this nine win team probably would have been a 12 win team. And, you know, if Derek Carr was the quarterback, maybe uh, they don't tie one game and they win one or two more, you know, maybe they win the division instead of just getting in as the last wild card. Like I, I can't emphasize enough how much I think better quarterback play uh, how about this has a less, ripple effect. Yeah, less limited quarterback play, less limited right, quarterback right. play design, less limited quarterback play calling would have helped the overall big picture of what the Steelers could have been. And that's why I do think it is worth it for them to dabble in the veteran pool. That's why I do think it is worth it for them to call the Packers, call the Seahawks, call the Raiders see what the asking price is on those guys and see what they can do here because TJ Watt, you just signed him to a huge deal. You're going to do that with Minka. Cameron Hayward's getting a hell of a lot older. He's still good though. Take advantage of what you have on defense and make your offense better faster. And maybe you don't have to have the distance between you and the Bengals that everybody seems to be looking at right now and saying it's a chasm. Yeah, no, I I get what you're saying. And I mean, I think the Steelers offense was amongst the easiest ones in the league to game plan against, to play against. And it gets to the point where there's, even if your O-line is playing well, they have more defenders than you have blockers. They know what's coming. It's unbelievably predictable. There was so much of the field that they just didn't threaten through the air. I mean, when you don't have to worry about crossers in the middle of the field and deep in breaking routes. And I mean, even, even this, Tim, I mean, I, I, I would love to, I'd love someone to do the study. I don't want to do it because it takes a lot of time. <laughs> How many true out routes did they oh my complete God. this year? You know, I mean, every team in the league, 12 yard out, boom, first down. How many of those did they complete this year? Like five, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's unbelievable. And, and last note here. And again, I'm not an apologist for the Steeler offensive line. It's not good. It's a very much a work in progress. It isn't super talented. The one that Rodgers played behind in Green Bay this year for seven, 18 games was worse. I mean, it was littered with injuries. They guys in and out of the lineup, all their good players on the line missed time and nobody knew it. And they won a ton of games and he's going to win the MVP. Right. And uh, people here in Pittsburgh say they don't want him because they'd be more comfortable with Jimmy G or Marcus Mariota or Mitch Trubisky. And I'm like, you folks have watched the Pirates too long. Uh, I keep I keep saying we are applying a pirate mentality to the Steelers quarterback position. And I think that's right. short-sighted. Well, you know, you don't have to spend that much. I mean, quarterbacks cost a lot. Uh, why don't we just go with uh, Mitch Trubisky? You know, that that's sort of like what the pirates <laughs> oh, do. Works. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. those, those two stadiums are separated by two parking lots, but it should feel like 2000 miles, uh, you know, between what the Steelers are and what the pirates are. But Honest to God, Matt, uh, and this is much more of a societal thing than it is you breaking down film, and I don't want to pull you too far out of your depths. This is me just wading into my columnist and talk show host, uh, you know, tropes here. But I I do feel like a lot of people who are of my generation and probably about 10 years younger look at the Steelers quarterback situation, don't know much or anything besides Ben Roethlisberger and say, well, 
Daddy and Grandpappy had David Woodley and Mike Tomzak and Tommy Maddox and Mark Malone and Cliff Stout. I guess I got to go through it and eat it too. No, you don't. <laughs> it's not a rule. It's I a, lived through yeah. that, you know, and Dan Marino and John Elway didn't change teams. And Joe Montana was a thousand years old before he went to the Chiefs. You know, like they change teams now. This this happens. It happened with Brady. It happened with Manning. It can happen with other quarterbacks. And God forbid they come to Pittsburgh and you can avoid that. I I don't just because I lived through it, I wouldn't want my kid to live through it. You know, you don't have to encourage the team to go out there and sign somebody or trade for somebody. I say I'm not against it. I mean, it just depends to me what is the cost. See what because, the asking price is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kicking the tires. I'm having the conversation for sure. Russell Wilson's very appealing to me. I mean, I think he might be a little cheaper right now than he should be. Um I've called Aaron Rodgers the NFL's greatest deodorant for his whole career. I mean, he doesn't, he's not littered with talent there. They have one receiver, a pair of good backs. When it's right, the line's okay. I mean, it, and sometimes it's good. Right now it's awful. And they're one of the best offenses in the league. Like, here's the, the, the analogy I've been using too, to kind of reference the Pirates. Like, if the Pirates could trade or sign a starting pitcher and this dates me because I haven't watched baseball. They're dead to me for a long time at the Roger Clemens, Nolan, Ryan, Randy Johnson level. Those are the guys I remember being great that never took a day off and pitched every game. They'd win a lot of games. <laughs> I mean, that's what Aaron, that's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Right. You have a chance to win every fifth day. Well, now you've got him every day, all yeah, five days every game. rotation. Yeah. Right. right exactly. Right. Well, you never came off the ice, you know? Um, well, there were some power plays where he was going to stay out there forever. We know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there were some times when the goalie was pulled and he was hunting for an empty net goal. Where there's no way he was coming off the ice. But, um, you know, to, to the other point about acquiring quarterbacks, the last thing I want to bring up here, and then we'll take a break, and I want to get your scouting eye on what you're seeing so far about the uh, draftable players. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe we'll get into some odds and ends there when it comes to who might wind up in Pittsburgh. But mm-hmm. – Jimmy Garoppolo got wild praise in Pittsburgh the week after the Niners beat the Packers because I think there's such an anti-Aaron Rodgers sentiment for the reasons I just pointed out and the fact that people just don't like him because of the anti-vax stuff and all that. Sure. Um, And I think people wanted to build up Jimmy G in their heads, but I'll, I'll give Pittsburgh fans credit for this. At least they're consistent on this one. I thought they foisted way too much of the blame for the Packers' loss on Aaron Rodgers and I think they did the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know, all I heard was, well, he didn't win that one. He can't win the big game either, I guess. I mean, you know, there's only so much blame I can always affix to a quarterback for one individual loss. And right. Aaron Rodgers lost because of his special teams. You know, I, I still think of Jimmy G roughly the way I did going into the playoffs, maybe slightly higher. Um, I wouldn't have thrown up in my mouth anymore if the Steelers had decided to trade for him the week after the Green Bay game or the week after the Rams game. You know, I, I still think of him as roughly the same way. How about you? Oh, my opinion hasn't changed at all. I mean, I, I've often said about Jimmy, and I'm not avoiding the conversation at all because we'll talk in depth about him. He's a difficult evaluation for me. I mean, I don't think it's as simple as he's um, Andy Dalton, middle-of-the-road guy that needs everything around him. Maybe it kind of is, but he's asked to make – a lot of difficult throws. I mean, they attack the middle of the field where all the bodies are more than any passing game in the league. And Mm. that's night and day from where Ben threw the football. You know what I mean? Like 
yes, he throws a lot of bad picks and I don't love his pocket presence. And there is a question about the clutch thing with Jimmy, but he lets it go amongst bodies where bad things happen. And yeah, he goes linebacker blind from time to time and usually at the wrong times. Um, but I think he's one of the best 32. He's probably one of the best 20. You certainly need stuff around him. I mean, he's not going to carry the, the franchise. So if, specifically for the Steelers, I'm in, I'm listening to the Jimmy conversation under these parameters that I'm giving you basically a third round pick in that neighborhood or a conditional pick. If you start this many snaps, it goes to a two next year, or if the Steelers make the playoffs, it goes from a three to a two, something like that. Yeah. yeah. By no means is a one involved. And the Niners have to pick up half his salary. And I still might take a quarterback in the first round. And I want to get to the first round quarterbacks. Was it you, Matt, that I heard? Were you on with Madden talking about his track record in the uh, red zone? Were you talking about that? And like one thing that constantly comes up with him is red zone inefficiency. No, but I could see that. Uh, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I can't remember where I heard that. I heard somebody talking about what he does and doesn't do in the red zone. Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's his inefficiency and, you know, his, um, lack of clean reads and if you really look at the tape and you know makeable throws that he has missed in the red zone have become a real problem from him you know new england all the way through uh, until where he is right now in san francisco do you, do you see any of that i do um in general he's frustrating you know because when he's hot you go whoa we really have something here and he, and he puts quite a few drives together and tears people up and he's very precise with his ball placement and timing but when he's not, you know, he kills you too. The other last notice one throughout Jimmy though is these playoffs that no one cares about these things, but he played very injured the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mean, right. He was far from 100%. All right, Matt, I want to get your impressions on the quarterbacks from the Senior Bowl. I know you have been watching very closely the update at Bet Rivers right now before we go to break. Rams minus 195 in the money line, minus four and a half on the spread. I said I'd take the Bengals plus four and a half. It's plus 168 to win outright. The over-under is 48 and a half. I'm with you on the under for sure. Uh, it sounds like to me what you're saying, Matt, at least with time to change your mind, you're very much leaning towards the Rams at minus four and a half with a 110 payout, huh? I am, but again, subject to change. I just think getting their front blocked is going to be really, really tough for Cincinnati. All right, we talked Senior Bowl and what Matt has seen about the potential quarterbacks. When we come back, this is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rolling on here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz, Matt Williamson. Matt has a scouting background, and Matt, your area of expertise when you're at Pitt with the uh, Cleveland Browns, it, it was quarterbacks and, and wide receivers too, right? 
Uh, not really specifically, but, you know, I mean, did all the above, of course, you know, without question. And the big topic of conversation here in Pittsburgh is all the attention. It appears that Kevin Colbert and Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin are paying to the quarterbacks. I mean, Art Rooney, the second was even down there and I'm told it's not beyond precedent for him to go to the senior bowl, Matt. I just don't remember him doing it. Uh, I I don't remember it being talked about. So to me, this is newsworthy. And to me, that's because they're looking at a quarterback. That's they, they know the opportunity is there for them to turn the page on Roethlisberger with a draft choice if they so desire. And that's why Art Rooney II is there. Do you agree? I'm sure. I mean, you can, I mean, Mr. Rooney could sit down with Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, whoever, and have a chat with them in this environment. I mean, there's time set aside for interviews that aren't, aren't timed like the combine, you know, just big gathering places and you can just pull kids aside and chat with them. So maybe that's what he plans on doing. Or the other thing that goes on right now too, which is sort of a side note is there's a lot of coaches out there looking for jobs and there's talking about filling out your, you know, they, they might be looking for an O-line coach while they're down there and, you know, things like that too. So there's a lot that happens at these big gatherings like the combine and the senior bowl that aren't even, you know, watching the prospects. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I will say I'm not there, but the coverage, <laughs> there has been no coach on camera more than Mike Tomlin. And they've gone out of their way to kind of follow him and Kevin, who spend, they're basically, you know, Siamese twins here together yeah. walking around. You see them with the big people on one-on-ones, you know, when they do the, uh, the individual pass rush drills, which I think is the most, you know, fun and most important thing to watch down there is watching the big guys battle in the trenches one-on-one. And they are always right next to the action there. And then as soon as that's over, they're glued to the quarterbacks. And I know that because the announcers mentioned it time and time again, and the cameras just seem to follow Tomlin around. And he waves to the cameras and is almost making it a joke at this point. Because everybody knows what he knows, and I know that Mason Rudolph knows that, and he's watching this too. Um, What have you taken away from the six quarterbacks who are there? Because that's another thing about this is, you know, there are six quarterbacks, maybe five. I don't know what you think about Zappi from Western Kentucky, but, you know, he's kind of a system, throw it around, put up a bunch of big stats guy, but – you know, he's not six, for me. He doesn't count in this equation. Okay, me. so we'll say five then. Like, there are yeah. five quarterbacks that seem to be moving the needle. But when I say moving the needle, I don't necessarily mean, like, top ten, like it was Eli, Phil, and Big Ben back in the day. Or maybe we get to that point because, as is so often the case, Matt, teams that need quarterbacks decide they need them so bad that they move up to get them. Um, are any of the quarterbacks, those other five, are any of the quarterbacks – popping off the page so much to you that you think teams will try to move up to get them and will the Steelers be one? Okay. So here's a couple general thoughts from my senior bowl experiences and what was happened thus far is first day you have weigh-ins Tuesday. You have a practice that's always disjointed, especially from a quarterback perspective. He's never thrown to these receivers. I mean, they'll miss a lot of open guys and everyone will blame the quarterbacks and it's not their fault because Tuesday quarterbacks at the senior bowl is never pretty Wednesday at the senior bowl this year was a torrential downpour. And it was interesting, you know, because I promise you the scouts owners, coaches said, let's not go inside for this one. I want to see these guys 
how they respond, mm-hmm. you know, running routes, all the above, throwing the football, every player, you know, are they you know, hanging their head or are they embracing this? And then Thursday, which I is happening as we record this, to be honest with you, I don't know what's happened on Thursday's practice will be indoors. Friday's really a walkthrough actually Thursday night, every scout in the world gets out of mobile. You know, they don't stick around for the game. They watch the game on tape. So that's how it works. So there's not a ton to base this off of, but still there's a lot of value even on tape and reading and finding out all I can, which is all I've done all week of watching these guys against one another and who's improved from day one, which is always ugly on Tuesday to day two in the torrential downpour. And another big picture thought, which you mentioned, and I promise it'll happen this year. Okay. There isn't an Andrew Luck, you know, Trevor Lawrence prospect. There isn't, there's not a Justin Fields prospect, but Daniel Jones went fifth, you know, Baker Mayfield went one after the senior bowl that these guys collectively, all five of these guys and Matt Corral, I promise you are going to gain a lot of steam unless something bad comes out about Carson Strong's knee or some sort of bad interview situation. Cause I'd like all these prospects. I may not give them a plus grades, but they all look like all five of these guys look like future starters to me. And I think they're going to start getting really pushed up the boards and the Daniel Jeremiah mock drafts all of a sudden are going to have, Oh, there's a quarterback at five this time. Cause the other thing is Tim, this draft stinks at the top. It's an unbelievably deep draft because all these guys went back to school for an extra year. You know, there's a lot of super seniors coming out, things like that. But for whatever reason, the top, prospects Aiden Hutchinson Thibodeau those guys I'm not sure I'm not trying to make a hot take here I don't know that anyone in this draft would have gone in the top 10 last year I don't think that's too far-fetched I'm a little surprised to hear you say that about Thibodeau why not him very inconsistent not a super physical player um you know Hutchinson's a little stiff like those guys aren't close to the Bosa brothers, Miles Garrett, Chase okay. Young to me. They would all be a, a tier below. Good prospects, but not superstars. Who's the closest then? Who's the one player that you think might have come the closest to the top 10 or 15 last year? Kyle Hamilton, but he's a safety. I yeah. mean, he's a stud Derwin James looking safety that can do it all. But Derwin James went 15. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I'm trying so to someone's think. Someone's going to go early. Yeah, know? someone's going to go early. So who's the quarterback then that maybe is that guy after what okay. we've seen so far? See, this is bad news for the Steelers because I think quarterbacks and tackles will start to get pushed up accordingly because those are high important positions, and yeah. that's what the Steelers want. You know what I mean? Like everyone's probably sitting there now going, "Boy." There's going to be a couple tackles I really like at 20 and might have our choice of all the quarterbacks. I'm telling you, that's not how the draft works. I've been doing this a long time and things in January aren't close to what we actually know to be true in April. I mean, it's just the same every year. And this year screams for change at the top. Like I just did a mock draft that I turned into the Steelers.com and I promise you, I'll laugh at it in a month. You know, that (laughs) I, I just know I will this year. So to answer your question, the guy that I think 
could start to really gain buzz as the clear first quarterback, as well as I'm not going to say first overall, but I'm not going to throw that out that it's impossible either is Malik Willis from Liberty. And by all accounts and from what I saw, he got drastically better from Tuesday to Wednesday. You know, he missed a lot of throws that were outbreaking routes and he got much better at it. He handled the weather extremely well. Everyone's going to compare him to Lamar and he's a Lamar like runner, but he's built like a taller Russell Wilson. I mean, he's 200. When you say taller, it's not that much taller though, is it? He, I have all the measurements right in front of me. He's basically six foot and half an inch. I mean, but he's almost built like a running back. I mean, he has thick calves and very defined and breaks tackles. He's a powerful player. He's a powerful thrower. And the knock on him is, you know, small school and wasn't quite as dominant this year. But I think, and he's also very, very smart that I think when you see him and his talent and his upside and everybody wants the next Josh Allen, Mahomes, toolsy guy, he's the toolsiest. One of those tools is in size, though, and he's not the only one. Not height. It's not height. There's three guys, him and Zappi and Howell. They're all under 6'1". I don't think there's anybody in the class that's 6'4 or bigger, Matt, right? Like, and, And I get that that may not be quite as important now because it's a lot of you know, yeah. what can you do out of the pocket? It's boots, it's rolls, it's, you know, move the pocket, move the quarterback out of the pocket, throw off platform, that sort of thing. But part of the reason I love Josh Allen is how big he is and how much he gets into his throws, you know, oh, yeah. and I, I still think there's a value there to being six foot four, six foot five. Um, I keep pointing out how the Steelers have populated their quarterbacks largely with bigger guys behind Roethlisberger. They don't do the six foot one guy very often, uh, nope. even for backups. So does that taint the opinion of Colbert and Tomlin when it comes to this class? We'll see. I mean, I have a hard time commenting on what the Steelers want from a franchise quarterback because they haven't been shopping there for two decades. So uh, what is their true opinion? How does that change? But you bring up a great point about the height of this collective class because it's more acceptable now. I mean, if those guys came out 10 years ago, like, boy, he's not 6'3". I mean, I can't use a first or second round pick on the guy. Done. End of story. Old school scouts, you know. And now it's much more acceptable. You know, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, you know, Baker Mayfield was first overall. But Mayfield struggles to see because he's short and he's not as athletic enough to find throwing lanes. And that's a, one of the biggest problems with Mayfield. So and people tell me in Seattle, that's kind of caught up with Russ too. In a big way. I mean, it, it caught up with Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a hall of famer, but if you look at his time with the saints, the new Orleans spent way more money than the other 31 teams on guards, centers, guards. So he could step up in the pocket and see, you know, I mean, that Wilson has a hard time seeing there's been a lot of throws in Wilson's career and he's still great that he never attempted because he didn't see someone come open in the middle of the field. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a big man's game still. And that is an issue with these guys. So Kenny Pickett is six, three and a quarter. Desmond Ritter is six, three Carson strong is six, three and three quarters. He's the biggest of the group. Howe is just over six foot and Malik Willis is just over six foot. So not many of these guys are big dudes. Strong is the biggest, but he's not very mobile. What about Kenny Pickett's hands? 
here's the deal on that. <laughs> Strange situation. He did not get his hands measured at the senior bowl. He said he's going to do it at the combine. No, he needs to massage them, Matt. He needs massaging on exactly. his hands to make them bigger, like Brandon Allen, apparently. I, say, I can't remember who the other one did that, but somebody else has done exercises, stretches, massages to increase the size of them. And what he's claiming, and I guess it's verified, is that he has double-jointed thumbs. Yes. So when he grabs the football, he gets more skin on the ball than would indicate when you put a ruler from tip of your pinky to tip of your thumbs because his thumbs do weird double-jointed stuff. Yes, so he's actually okay. got what you might call a deformity that helps him out. Right, but it doesn't measure well, I guess. Right, yes. I, 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 so I'll believe him. But what I know, and I don't like to be, dwell on this too much, but any quarterback in the history of the league, well, at least since the Super Bowl, or since they've been measuring these, I'll say. So I don't know, let's keep it to 30 or 40 years. A massive sample size that's had under nine-inch hands. Michael Vick's the only one that's had a successful career. I mean, and the nine to nine-and-a-halfers, there aren't many. I mean, Tannehill, Burrow, Burrow's right around yeah. nine. You know, but what about it, Breeze? Was Breeze over nine? He had very big hands. Him and Wilson have huge hands, which is strange. They're just short. Um, I also know that Mason Rudolph is in the eleventh percentile at nine and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, how I know this, I don't know, but I looked it up <laughs> earlier this week, and now I feel weird about it. But that's exactly what I read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it matters. I mean, if you talk to even quarterbacks that have had smaller hands. They'll say after their career, boy, I wish I had, you know, 10 inch hands. Why do they have a bigger ball in the NFL than they use in college? Why not use the same ball between college and the NFL? It's a good question. I I don't know, but anyone, what I do know is anyone that's never picked up a fully inflated NFL ball would be blown away. It weighs a bazillion pounds. It's big. It's scary. When I was with the Browns, I would walk out to practice in my button-up and khakis, and Jeff Garcia, who had the weakest arm in the league, to be honest with you, <laughs> would often be like, hey, dude, warm me up, and he'd be throwing 50%. I thought he was going to break my nose and knock my teeth out. You know, I was scared yeah. to death. <laughs> you know, but it's a big deal. I mean, real quick, Lamar Jackson really had a hard time changing balls you know, his rookie year he really struggled with an nfl ball no one thinks about that you jamar know, like, chase talked about it a lot this year right but no one hands a pitcher a softball when you get to the nba and major league baseball and say throw 100 miles an hour with it yeah i think it's a bigger deal than what people give it credit yes. for and that's why i thought deflate gate was a bigger deal than what people tried to minimize it because it does matter and the balls wouldn't have been deflated if they didn't matter Mm -hmm. um, I, I know I saw Malik Willis play earlier this year, and uh, when he was with Liberty against Syracuse, he didn't blow me away, and, and the talk kind of died on him midseason. It did, yeah. And guess it's popping back up again now. I mean, I still feel more safe with Kenny Pickett. I guess if the Steelers were to go in that direction, uh, I keep hearing they like Ritter more than we're talking about. I don't know what you know about him from Cincinnati, but uh, is he one that should be thrown in the mix? Should Strong be thrown in the mix with the, the knee injury and everything? Yeah, I think all five of these guys are very much in play. And if you ask me to rank them one to five, I promise you it'll change a hundred times between now and then. Right now, I'd have Willis one. 
Um, it's funny, they, they have the hand sizes here, and none of them are big except for Ritter. Ritter's the only one close to 10. Pickett's not listed because he didn't have it done, but Strong's a little over nine. Howell's a little over nine. Willis is nine and a half, you know, if, if people are interested. Um, Ritter's interesting, I mean, because he's a very athletic guy. Um, accuracy and sustainable accuracy are his questions, but they got better this year. Um, I think a lot of people, kind of like the Aaron Rodgers conversation, are holding it against him that he didn't light up Alabama in the playoff game. But, I mean, that seems a little foolish to me. You know, the, the Cincinnati Bearcats didn't move up and down the field at will against Alabama. I mean, I don't think I can yeah. hold that against him too much. we got four minutes left here, Matt, roughly. So I'll just uh, throw it at you quickly, kind of one big gulp, and we'll definitely go over it more and more as uh, not only next week but the week after or whenever we, we speak again going to the free agency and the draft. But along the defensive and offensive line, you said you saw a lot of Tomlin and Colbert watching there. Are they watching more for replacements at nose tackle and perhaps for Stefan to it, or are they looking at tackles and or interior offensive linemen? I would assume both. I mean, I think all of them have to be at play. Um, there's a couple names. Again, I, I don't have time to dig into the draft heavy until this week. This is when draft season starts for me. Yeah. But I had thought that the defensive tackle class was going to be really light, and I'm really starting to warm up to some – big powerful bullies that are in mobile right now there's a kid travis jones at you at uconn yeah the uconn uh, kid jonathan davis from georgia i keep hearing about yeah i mean davis is the top creme de la creme and everyone knows who he is um a kid named john ridgeway at arkansas uh perry and winfrey at oklahoma Devonte wyatt who played next to davis at georgia uh this kid mathis at alabama all these guys look like day two players to me. And I, almost all the ones I named are nose tackle types. I mean, they're not Casey Hampton, Vince Wilford, but they're 320 and up. Are we ever going to see the day where the offensive linemen catch back up to the defensive linemen? Or is this sort of like hoping that really athletic quarter, cornerbacks somehow say, you know what? I don't want to be a wide receiver. I just want to stay at corner. Like, <laughs> is it just not going to happen? Are we just always going to see the defensive lineman dominate the offensive lineman? I tend to think so. But, you know, I mean, some of these, this goes back to recruiting. I mean, the, the, the hardest thing to recruit are true defensive tackles because, and they all go to the big schools. There's just not many humans on the planet that are six, five, 300 plus that can run a four, eight and be athletes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's how Orlando pace started. And then they move him to tackle. And then you turn up as the first overall pick, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if all of a sudden you get the Georgia or Ohio state and you're the superstar defensive tackle recruit, and I can't quite see the field, but I'm the most talented tackle switch sides. Matt, love it. Great stuff. We're going to get into it a lot more as the draft comes closer, and we'll talk plenty more Super Bowl next week. Enjoy the Senior Bowl and the practices between now and then, all right? Absolutely. Matt Williamson, our resident scouting expert here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. More with Mike Pursuta tomorrow. Between now and then, go to the app, download it today, or go to BetRivers.com.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.